0: Welcome to the More Perfect Union, a podcast about the joy we get from American politics, or as we like to call it, real debate without the hate. I'm Greg Matuzak, a liberal Democrat from Cincinnati, Ohio.
1: I'm DJ McGuire, your conservative Democrat
2: from Suffolk, Virginia.
3: I'm Rebecca Cushmider. I'm a different liberal Democrat from Kensington,
4: Maryland. I'm Cliff Dunn. I'm a Republican from Virginia.
2: I'm Kevin Kelton, a moderate from Los Angeles, and The More Perfect Union is one of the fastest rising podcasts on iTunes. The More Perfect Union podcast can also be found on iHeartRadio, YouTube, and at our website, moreperfectunionpodcast.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, we had uh, an interesting week and a fascinating week coming up. Today is Martin Luther King's birthday, and it's especially... Uh, significant in light of the little tete-a-tete between John Lewis and President-elect Donald Trump that happened last week. Who wants to start on that?
3: I guess I'll go ahead on this one. Um...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was this close from shouting, not it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, not with a 10-foot pole.
3: (laughs) All right, well, it all starts with a, a briefing that Democrats, uh, congressional Democrats got on Thursday or Friday on the full classified investigation of the Russia hacks, which apparently turned quite contentious with a lot of yelling at um, FBI Director Comey. And after that, um, John Lewis was being interviewed by, I believe, Chuck Todd. It, and he commented, Lewis commented that he did not feel that uh, Trump is a legitimate president due to the nature of the Russian influence in the election. Donald Trump, um, you're going to be so shocked what he did. He started tweeting about it. Can you guys believe it?
1: <laughs> Shocking, hey, please.
4: So weird. Tweet, it even uh, ended with the word sad. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So original. And
3: so, you know, for for people who who maybe are too young to re- fully understand who John Lewis is, he was a one of he was a student organizer in the civil rights movement. He was one of the original freedom riders. He was beaten nearly to death on the Edmund Pettus Bridge at Selma. He is a, a very consequential figure. Now, uh, people think that Trump maybe doesn't know who John Lewis actually is, and that's why he started uh, bad mouthing a guy who's considered one of the greatest living Americans.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 another episode of Trump taking on someone who's top in their field, very venerable to make himself seem better. Yes, they have a beef, but that was probably not the best way. And I'm giving Trump credit on that when I say not the best way to handle it, um, because John Lewis is an incredible American and I it's it's hard to even argue with that in Any sane way, I mean. We have to remember
1: that, yes, this is John Lewis, the very courageous and heroic civil rights demonstrator and organizer and crusader from the 1960s. This is also the John Lewis who, as a member of Congress, went on the House floor in 1995 and declared that Newt Gingrich was coming for everybody's children. He has put his foot in his mouth before (laughs) He has said things that were over-the-top partisan before, and he is now following the traditional Democratic Party line, which is to essentially undermine Donald Trump's mandate, such as it is, um, due to the uh, Russian disinformatia campaign. Perfectly understandable partisan thing to do, and Donald Trump fell right into the trap. Um, and made himself look like a fool that he's going to do that a lot. But again, this is one of these things where if it were anyone but Donald Trump, and if it were anyone but Donald Trump and John Lewis, we would be calling it inside baseball. Congressman says something partisan, a president responds in some, in some media fashion. Uh, it's not going to be something that is going to change a lot of votes in 2018 and 2020. That's going to be about what Donald Trump and the Republican Congress does, and about what the Democrats in Congress either do to try to stop him or present as alternatives to the voter. Those are the things that are going to matter. This is, it's amusing to a lot of people. It gives Democrats a chance to feel good about themselves because one of their heroes has stuck their neck out and Donald Trump has made himself look foolish in the process. But in terms of long term political effect, Again, not really very much. The long-term political effect of all of this was the fact that it is now abundantly clear to anyone, incontrovertibly, that Washington on Friday is going to have a vastly different policy towards the Putinist regime than it has had now. You know, for those of us who are already upset at how the outgoing administration has not stood up to Russia enough. We are now going to have an administration that stands up for Russia when it doesn't deserve it. That's the real problem here.
4: I mean, with respect to John Lewis, one thing I want to say is I think this is sort of a case of there's been what's referred to as Nobel disease, where people who are highly acclaimed in various fields, you know, very often Nobel winners, hence the name, will end up saying incredibly stupid things later on down the line. Nobody's going to dispute that John Lewis did, you know, you know, did some very courageous things back during the Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s, but the fact of the matter is that was 50 years ago, and, you know, the, the fact that he said something stupid this week should not be, you know, frankly, not, not be overshadowed by
2: good deeds half a century ago. Let me jump in on that. You know, you're kind of right. It's not a question of 50 years ago. Look, John Lewis is an American hero. So is John McCain. So are a lot of people. That doesn't mean that they're immune from criticism, valid criticism, Everyone has to step up to the line. I disagree with your characterization that he said something incredibly stupid, Cliff. He said something that tens of millions, if not 50 or 60 million Americans believe, which is that Donald Trump is going to be the president of the United States. And he won the election the way you have to win a presidential election by winning the Electoral College. He was certified. He is going to be sworn in. That doesn't mean that people can't say, I don't think he's a legitimate president or, in my mind, he's an illegitimate president. I see a lot of people on Facebook saying he's not my president. Now, we can debate what that means, but to say it's an incredibly stupid thing discounts 60 million people who just don't think that he – you know deserves to be president you know
4: and, I, I, and kevin I, I, kevin i i you know and, and i would agree with you if we hadn't been down this rabbit hole 16 years ago in 2000 You know, after Florida, you know, where the Democrats turned around and said, well, we're going to try and, you know, make this guy, you know, make this guy illegitimate as quickly as we can, blah, blah, blah. Well, and we
3: also went down this rabbit hole in 2008 when Donald Trump himself was saying that Barack Obama wasn't eligible to be president because he, well, because he was born in Hawaii, which is also Kenya if you're Donald Trump.
4: I mean, so, so I, I'm going to say it's incredibly stupid in the sense that we've been around, you know,
2: we've, we've been through this whole thing. Well, why don't we do this? Know? Why don't we take down the, the heat of the rhetoric? Why don't we remove the term incredibly stupid? Maybe you could find another way to characterize it. I'll go
1: with tactically unwise because I think that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, George George W. Bush's legitimacy was challenged in two thousand one. It didn't stop him winning re election in, in two thousand four. Barack Obama's legitimacy was challenged in two thousand and nine. It didn't stop as a re election in two thousand twelve. Declaring someone is illegitimate, people the, the people who will disagree with you on that will simply decide that you that they cannot talk to you and they will simply wall you off. Saying something as he does not have a mandate to govern is different because most Americans understand the difference between winning an election and winning a mandate. And to say, Donald Trump may have won the election, but he certainly has not won a mandate, that makes it easier for voters on the other side to listen to you. And this is something that Democrats have to figure out or we're going to lose again. We are going to need some Americans who did not vote for us Last year to vote for us next year and three years from now and calling them all idiots and calling them illegitimate and calling their vote, their votes illegitimate and basically saying, I'm not going to talk to any of them because their vote, is- their vote in some, their vote in some way psychologically damaged me. That doesn't work in winning voters well, back. you guys are, are projecting I, 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 a lot I,
2: I, of meaning onto John Lewis's statement that simply wasn't there. Why well, don't we go back I'm to actually, what he I'm said? Going. He said, in my I'm, mind, he's an illegitimate president because the Russians were working to help him get elected. He did not say anything about Trump voters. He did not say anything about whether he won or not. He said, in his mind, he's an illegitimate president.
1: But it is and part again, of a larger democratic message that i Was it a
2: tactically smart thing to do? That's a conversation to have, okay? And, yeah, and,
4: and, and I think it's also tiresome. That that that's the other thing that's getting at me is that you know, in a way, having heard you know such and such is an illegitimate president for basically my entire adolescent and adult life is you know it, it it's to the point that it, has, it 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 renders claims of illegitimacy, however valid they may ever happen to be, as obnoxious background noise.
2: But when will it be valid, Cliff? When will it be valid? When somebody's lost by three million votes and he had the Russians using propaganda and misinformation to get the votes that he did need to win, you know, five swing states, when does it become invalid? There's one thing that's kind of
0: interesting is that the Democrats are saying this over and over and over, but the Republican Party, and we just had a press conference from Trump, he still wants to run this 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 uh presidency like it's a campaign absolutely he still and he still in fact his press conference he kept comparing himself to hillary and he kept saying well you could see i'm better than hillary at this could you see hillary do this i could do this better than hillary he mentioned hillary five times in a negative way and that he could do things better and we're now supposed to say well so is this over? Is this not a thing? Are you running? Over. Are you not? Well, over. but I, it's it a
1: permanent campaign for 20, for 25 years. And he's <laughs> running, I
0: mean,
1: and he, and remember, he's running for reelection. Barack Obama but, didn't stop mentioning George Bush in a negative light until after he won a second term because they didn't need to anymore.
0: George Bush was a sitting president. If If he was wanting, if Trump wants to talk about Obama, that would be one thing. But he didn't mention Obama once during that press conference. Like, I'm inheriting this terrible economy or these, this terrible job rate. In well, fact, that's because he couldn't he, say that. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's all know, said and done.
3: Everything else. Why, why stop there? I, I, right. One thing I want to see is John Lewis wasn't talking to Republicans. John Lewis, John, the audience for John Lewis is not swing voters. It's not moderates. It's not you know people that we're going to get get try and get to defect in the next couple of elections. John Lewis was talking to the base. John Lewis was talking to the people uh, you know th- th- in his district and and the ac- people of color and, and activists and radicals. He you know he knew very well where those words were going to fall, and he wanted to bolster them. Um, you know, he's he's a radical, and he understands about the power of grassroots, and he was trying to rally a certain segment of the troops. I I, well, I don't think he misspoke, and I don't think it was—I um, don't think what he said was a mistake. I, you know, well, you've got to think who the audience really is.
2: Okay, well, since, we, we, since it is uh, Martin Luther King's uh, birthday uh, today and we're talking about John Lewis, a prominent uh, African-American leader, there was another prominent African-American leader in the news this week who uh, took some flack from both sides of the political spectrum. Cory Booker had a very tough week. First, testifying against Jeff Sessions, the first time that a senator has ever testified against another senator who was un, uh, in front of a confirmation hearing. And then he uh, took a stand on uh, importing Canadian drugs that uh, got him in a lot of trouble with liberals. Who wants to talk about that? Uh, I watched I, – I got to watch the, uh, the Booker
0: testifying against Sessions. And for the first part, it was – it was nothing personal. He had never, never did he say, you know, I felt like this Sessions personally did something to me that I felt, you know, but he went down his record and he said, this is a record that I felt like I needed to say something about. And he went right down the record and he said, this is his record here, here and here. Boom, boom, boom. And he said, I didn't think I could stand not saying something. And I have a lot of respect for that. But I understand where it was coming from, uh, and his record did seem it would give me pause.
4: Uh, I mean, I, I, one thing I, I, I'll jump in here and say is, you know, that there, there, there's nothing shocking here. We we always knew the Sessions confirmation was going to be uh, tense. I'm really not surprised that Booker and um, you know John Lewis also stood up separately, and you know, I understand that you know very fundamentally. Okay, this guy is going to have different policy priorities than what they would prefer, and you know it's, it's a perfectly principled and reasonable stance to oppose that. His it confirmation, then, right?
3: It isn't just policy priority. Jeff Sessions' record on racial equality issues is going to feel personally hurtful to Cory Booker to John Lewis. Um, you know, I, as as a woman, I'm personally hurt by things Jeff Sessions has said and done over his career there is an and i don't i don't mean to feminist explain here to you guys <laughs> even though it's really going to sound like i'm doing it um, there no no, no th- there please. is there is a certain lack of Empathy. disinterest that you feel as, as a person who is not part of the white male ruling class in America, that there's, there's always a thread of hurt, um, that maybe you guys don't feel as intently or as persistently as other groups, other demographic groups would. And so when Cory Booker and John Lewis stand up to Jeff Sessions, they are coming from a place of personal pain and it is worth acknowledging that their personal pain is very real.
1: I won't necessarily dispute that. In fact, I will say, as as someone who is Irish Catholic, I have that history within my family, the, a history of marginalization, not so much in the present until the Little Sisters of the Poor had to go to the Supreme Court, maybe, but I, 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 I somewhat, and somewhat is as far as I'll go, understand that history. I will say, though, that while I certainly think that Senator Booker and Congressman Lewis said what they needed to say they said it well and it is good that they said it it should not be all that the democrats are saying jeff sessions is also very vulnerable on civil asset forfeiture
4: well and i and i and i think that could actually that particular issue could actually cause some trouble with rand paul's vote in particular because i know he has made that a particular issue in the past Exactly. That was- that came up on his campaign and frankly this is one place where i think mr paul is correct i think that process needs to be significantly reformed because it's not you know it's not just and it very often gives the government the ability to take people's property without actually obtaining a criminal conviction first that's not right
2: oh it's terrible it's it's uh, it's criminal H- okay uh-huh. i'm, I'm going to come at this from a slightly different perspective if, if we were somehow to, to hold the Republicans to 49 yay votes on Jeff sessions we were able to stop him from being confirmed whoever Trump comes back with is going to be just as bad would Ted Cruz be any more palatable to the left as the Attorney General of the United States or Richard Shelby uh, uh
1: Richard Shelby no Ted Cruz maybe Ted
0: Cruz to the Ted left Cruz actually Ted Cruz is a horrible human being but he's f- there and he tells you up front, and he's not a. He, and I don't want to use call Jeff Sessions a racist, but he's not a racist. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have Cruise, a history of that. Yeah, Cruz, Sessions is. I right, right, just say that. I'll just say <laughs> Sessions is a racist. Sessions is an old racist. white
3: guy from Alabama. Come on, he was born right. in a racist stew. It's some of it's right. going to be on his tie, whether he's currently racist or not.
0: There's it's flavor there, right? Cruz isn't, mean, a- and. In in this time, we can't have that. Okay, I mean, you know, Cruz is crazy, but you know,
4: what I will say is that you know, it, if the session's the point where we're, go, were to go down, it would probably not happen. Although with this this administration, you never know. I would love to see Ken Cuccinelli get that job.
3: I would rather can- die. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah i actually i I would rather rebecca die yeah i I don't i'm not sure i don't want attorney Attorney
3: general dildo cam as the (laughs) attorney general of the united (laughs) states thank you very much i'm sorry transvaginal (laughs) wand man he and trump can both stay away from that part of my body
1: if we if we can if we can pull ourselves out of the virginia weeds although the virginia weeds can be fun (laughs) um Booker but also upset, upset not that right. Booker also upset a number of people on his left when he chose to vote against uh, the per, the allowing Canadian drugs to be and uh, Canadian prescription drugs to be imported into the country. Uh, in fact, I really don't know how I really don't know how long that glow from the Sessions testimony lasted before it was completely blown off uh, by his vote and before he was knocked on the defensive. So I guess my question to, particularly to the two to the fellow Democrats on the panel, the ones who've been at it longer than I have, um, was, what was more impactful for Mr. Booker's ambitions: his testimony on Sessions or his vote on prescription drugs?
2: Prescription drugs, no doubt about it. And I agree exactly with what you said. Whatever glow there was from his his comments regarding Sessions were immediately wiped out.
0: Uh, mine's the exact opposite. Um... One because I have a huge man crush on Cory Booker, and I've been talking. About, I mean, uh, it's it's fair. Uh, two, you should tell him on a, Twitter. Oh my gosh, I have, I have, and I'm just waiting. I think he's blocked me several times. Uh, oh dear, two, it was it was the Sanders co co-sponsored the bill, and I hate that man. I am still angry. So if if Sanders was behind. like, Oh, ah, oh, he burned, he burned us. And I understand why Cory Booker did it. Cory Booker represents, what was I reading? Like there's six Merck. giant, yeah. And yeah, there's there's Merck big pharmacy. Uh,
3: so at S, you know, there, there's so much big pharma in his state. They employ thousands of people.
0: Right. And for him this to say.
3: This is no different than a Michigan representative protecting the auto industry. It's the same thing. It's just.
0: He's you know. not running for president now. He's not going to throw his state under the bus. And nope. and we have this in Ohio all the time. We have Ohio senators asking for jet engines that will never be used. Okay. And money thrown away so that GE can get these jet engine things. And they're like, oh, this is great. This is wonderful. And they do it in, Seattle, in uh, Washington for Boeing. Why? Because it keeps people working. And I'm okay with that because that's what they were elected to do. They are senators from their state. They're elected representatives. Yep. He's doing his job. Yeah, and gee. he's going to fundraise
3: <laughs> at home on that prescription drug vote. He's, that's going to yeah. be on mailers that he's sending out at home. I saved your job. I protected mm-hmm. your money. Now, the Sessions testimony, he's going to tuck that tape away as B-roll if he decides to run for higher office.
1: The one thing I found interesting about this, the media coverage seemed to me rather obsessive about Booker's no vote and the Democrats who voted no. There was almost, from what I could tell, there's almost no discussion of the fact that Ted Cruz, Mike Lee and Rand Paul all voted yes. That's a very big deal within the Republican Party. You're right. That's what is left of the libertarian wing of the Republican Party saying this is an issue where we differ with the corporatists in our party, where we think this is a good idea and we're sticking our necks out. And from what I could tell, almost no one in mainstream media even bothered to notice.
0: Well, Ted Cruz was giving money
2: back to his fatherland. Come on. <laughs> from Canada. <I'm> <laughs> So, look, it's obvious that most of of Trump's nominees, if not all, are going to be confirmed. We're going to have a Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson. We're going to have a Secretary of Defense, Mad Dog Mattis. Uh, uh, I think all of his nominees should be known as Mad Dog
3: something. I I really (laughs) feel like Mad Dog should be the the universal
2: nickname. Actually, that would be a great nickname for the president, Mad Dog. And
1: as, as for Tillerson, watch Marco Rubio. If Rubio votes no on Tillerson that would give a number of Republicans cover to essentially shoot Mm -hmm. Tillerson down as a way of protesting Trump's inauguration speech sounding better than the original Mm -hmm. Russian.
2: Let me say something. (laughs) Uh, Marco Rubio doesn't have the cojones. He doesn't have the cojones to vote against Trump. He's going to vote for him. Okay. We shall see. But moving on. Repeal and replace. There were a couple of big votes, one in the Senate, one in the House. These people are hell-bent on repealing Obamacare and worrying about the after-effects later. Uh, where does it stand now? Rebecca, you, you might be our most knowledgeable person on the health care issue.
3: Um, where it stands now, we've had these two votes in the House and the Senate to um, issue instructions via a process called budget reconciliation. Nothing has been repealed. What the House and Senate have both done is created a resolution, which is not um, – it, it, it isn't It isn't law. It's. It's,
2: it's – It's defunding. It's de facto repealing the law by defanging it, defunding it. It it.
3: It is the first step in that process. They have issued instructions to the relevant committees that they are to create legislation that will be binding, because the, the budget resolution doesn't have force of law. It isn't signed by the president. And they will then create the legislation, which they have to have... No earlier than January 27th, but the, the relevant committees, which is Ways and Means, um, Health, Education, Labor, and Pension, and uh, the the one I'm forgetting. It'll come to me later. Way
0: to go, Rick Ferry. <laughs> um, appropriations, maybe?
3: No, it is, it Department is an
0: of, Department of Energy?
3: Yeah, it ETA. is the Department of Energy. <laughs> Just keep throwing them out there.
0: Okay, we are are way off the
1: rails, folks. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um, Now, uh, there was an interview this weekend in the Washington Post where Donald Trump said he's got a plan for replacement. It's going to be great. Deductibles are going down. Everyone's going to have coverage. It's going to be so much better than Obamacare. We're all going to get a pony it's, uh, I mean, I, I was astonished at everything he's going to offer us. It's not single payer, though. It is absolutely not that. But he won't tell us what it is. So God only knows, you know, how long this is going to take. Um, but, you know, I I am a jaded, old, crabby policy weirdo. And I have literally never cried over a Senate vote before. But when they passed that budget resolution this week, I sat... And I cried because it just seems so callous what they're doing, that they're, they're just hacking this to pieces without even taking time to breathe. That's so political. It's so putting money ahead of lives, and it's just breaking my heart.
2: And, it, and it, it, this is something that directly affects individuals in a way that they tangibly see the moment it happens. I'm seeing on Facebook – Comment after comment after comment how people are taking this personally like a death in the family. And I'm sure that my conservative friends here will think that we're overreacting. But this is a
1: visceral,
2: very painful thing. I know people on Facebook who say, I am going to lose my health care next year, and I don't know what I'm going to do about it. I've got stage 2 cancer. I've got, you know, renal kidney failure. And I know I am not going to be able to replace my existing policy if they do away with the ACA. And all this talk about it's going to be cheaper, it's not going to be government-run, we don't like it. It's all it, – it, that's abstract. This affects real people. And he's not going to replace their health care. It's impossible to replace their health care with the type of system that the conservatives want. So uh... which, is, which
1: is why it's not going to be a type of system that we want because the transition is too bumpy and it affects too many people. So what is most likely to happen, and forgive me for saying this, Rebecca, but if the budget resolution made you cry, you are simply not jaded enough yet. <laughs> because the reality <laughs> is when you have something that has created this much angst and this much concern – the first instinct of any politician is to figure out how to make sure that all goes away. And so what they will do is they will – what you will be hearing about is a bunch of trial balloons because you know it's not that Republicans don't have a plan. It's that they have about a dozen of them, and they're all about half-baked. And I know because I could remember when I was a Republican telling them, guys, you've got to come up with something that makes sense. You've got to come up with you've got to come up with something and say they can continue with their dozen half things. But what you will likely see is, and this is just my my projection here, and I know my projections have been terrible, but you will likely see the mandate, the mandate for the the penalty for not getting coverage be replaced by a credit for getting coverage, which to most Americans is essentially the incentives are the same. The only difference is that that DC takes a hit, the federal government takes a hit. You will probably see something on, you may see something on pre-existing conditions that says pre-existing conditions may not be covered unless you've had insurance for a year to 18 months prior or they may something yeah. say something say
3: continuous coverage
1: yes if you have continuous coverage or they may just slap up a date and say if you've had coverage since since January 1st 2016 you're fine no, you still you are still covered for any pre-existing conditions or something like that or they may just decide you know what we replace the penalty with the tax credit it's the same incentive we don't need to stop the ban on uh, pre-existing conditions being dropped from coverage and they may they may actually keep that. My point is they're going to try to come up with something where they have the greatest symbolic push with the least actual impact on ordinary Americans. So <laughs> that's okay. what I think they're going to try to get yeah, I mean, to. I mean, okay, I'm, sunshine. I'm um <laughs> we have I'm to know this. No, this no, this, this, this ain't sunshine, Kevin. Okay.
2: Uh, the inauguration's on Friday. The Women's March on Washington is on uh, Saturday. It's going to be a ma- an amazing weekend, regardless of which side of the political spectrum you're <laughs> on. Cliff, what are you looking for this weekend? What's the highlight that you're looking forward to? And what do you expect uh, Mr. Trump to say in his inauguration speech? Well, the
4: highlight is going to be the inauguration speech, obviously, because that, you know that that's going to dominate media coverage for the weekend. Because let's face it, it's coming out on Friday, and it's going to be talked about on the Satu- on the Sunday news shows, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I I think I think we'll get some fun quotables. I don't think there will be any true news in there, though. Um, I don't think we're getting any true surprises in the inaugural speech, and so the story will be the lack of story after a fashion.
2: Greg, uh,
0: two things. Um, one, I will be taking my daughters in Cincinnati to the Women's March. Um, I think that will be exciting. Uh, good intro to pol- they. We do politics with them, but I think that'll be fun. The big story, I think for the Trump inauguration is you won't actually see Putin's lips move through the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs>
4: wow. He
0: may even, he may even drink water and I mean, they'll be like,
2: it'll be amazing. Worth watching. It's like Willie Tyler and Lester. Okay. Rebecca, what are you thinking?
3: You know what? I just don't know. At, at this point, I just don't know. Okay. Um you know, I'm hoping it's all just smooth and peaceful and everybody gets what they want out of it. I I hope there isn't a big story. I don't want anyone to get hurt at the inauguration or at the
1: march. And DJ, the highlight of the inauguration the inauguration event will be when we finally when whenever we get to read the transcript in the original Russian. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
4: Thank you for listening, everybody. Please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash moreperfectunionpodcast. And if you enjoy political debates and would like to be a part of ours, join us on Facebook at our political discussion group, Open Fire. We're all there, and we'd love to see you there, too.
2: Until next time, have a great week. And enjoy the last week of freedom and democracy in America.
0: (laughs) You know, if I see anybody, if any of our fans see me at the uh, Women's March, I will be more than happy to sign their copy of our podcast. (laughs)
1: I <laughs> <laughs>